was just started hammering something. <laughs> you know, I've moved into a study upstairs right out of the way, sealed myself off for, um, you know, for, sen- for sensory perfection. Yeah. And, uh, and just, just as I actually started testing it out about five minutes ago, next door started hammering something in the fucking bedroom. That's about three feet from where I'm sitting. First question, and it was uh, all over the Liverpool fan base, possibly rightly so, last week. And that was a confirmation that Chelsea appeared to be signing Timo Werner Paul. Um, so we had we had the traditional breakdown from the FSG out groups. Um, <laughs> what what did you make of it? Start with Liverpool from Liverpool's point of view, obviously, and then we'll move on to how Chelsea can afford it. I think it was April, wasn't it, when? when there was the furlough outrage and then the players hadn't taken a pay cut at that stage, but most people were, were expecting, you know, the whole Premier League to take a 15, 30% pay cut, which had taken place in other countries. Um, and from that, I was thinking, I don't see how buying players is a priority when, you know, if you're looking at a drop in income, paying back the TV revenue, not having any gate receipts money, you know, all those kind of, all that kind of money lost, then suddenly you're operating at a loss, in which case controlling the wage bill is the priority and not buying new players. Now, if the players had all accepted a 30% wage drop back in April, and they say now we're talking in June and they still haven't, again, that's their, you know, I'm not saying that they're definitely wrong for that, but from the from a club point of view, that then shifts the priority, um, you know, to sort of thinking out how can we move forward when possibly over the course of eighteen months, starting from earlier this year to the middle of next year, clubs could be losing hundreds of millions um, when you add everything up with the TV repayments. So I I just didn't think that buying anyone and I said back then I didn't see how anyone would buy anyone and then the noises coming out of the, sort of the, the well-informed journalists were sort of saying they don't expect Liverpool to buy anyone this seat this summer um I think Timo Werner was obviously to me he looked like a, being a big part of the plan but then everything changed um and you know there was a I believe it, I mean I, I saw it shared I assuming you know when you read things online these days, you can never be too sure, but I assume that the quotes were legitimate from from Klopp saying that, um, and I quote, discussing with the players things um, about things like salary waivers, and on the other hand, buying a player for 50 million to 60 million, he says, we have to explain. And I think that's the issue. And I think back when the players initially um, made, made the, you know, the, the donations or, you know, to the, to the NHS, um, that kind of thing. One of the one of the things coming out being, you know, an, in, an indirect quote from the players was about they don't want the money that the clubs would gain by them taking pay cuts going on new players. So, in other words, they wouldn't want to, you know, save the club fifty million pounds over six months only for the for a club to then go and spend fifty million pounds. On a new striker, you know, so obviously applying that to, to Werner. That now that might might have been a, a quote from Jordan Henderson or from someone else, one of the other captains. Um, so I think that's the situation that Liverpool are in a in a very difficult position, where as I say, lowering the wage bill. And from from that Klopp quote, it sounds like talks are still ongoing. But if they agree with the players to to say like the players take a 15, 20%, 30% wage cut or defer, that the club in return is saying, right, okay, yeah, we won't go out and buy new players. Now, obviously, that then also affects the players because the players often are the ones complaining about the fact that, you know, we've had it in the past, haven't we, when when a star player will, will complain that the club isn't buying better players for them to play alongside. But now nobody can have that argument because if you say, if, you know, if, if that's the kind of deal that's being struck, then Liverpool pretty much have to keep the same squad in place, which anyway, I don't think is, for another season, I don't think would be a disaster. But obviously, 
in a year's time, you're starting to look at what was, you know, what is now a perfectly average aged squad. In a year's time, it's suddenly starting to sort of creep over the hill. So, um, but for now, it, 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 you know, I can completely see why um, we would pull out of the Werner deal and not sign anyone. As much as that will, you know, annoy a lot of people. Chris, um, <clears throat> some of the details for the deal were a fifty-four million pound deal, which is rumoured to be the release clause in his contract. Um, they're looking at Chelsea want at least a five-year deal and Werner's salary will increase, this is from The Athletic, year on year as the contract progresses and reach in the region of 10, 9 to £10 million pounds a year, which is about £180,000 a week plus bonuses. What um, You've seen all these transfer rumours and everything, Chris. What do you make of the fact that, one, the reaction of the Liverpool fans, but two, how, how can Chelsea afford this? Yeah. Well, um, I suppose if you were to argue that Liverpool are being consistent in as much as they are still seeming to operate within financial sustainability, which has always been the watchword throughout, um, if they're now uh, unlikely to be making any purchases, then given the you know the the new the new normal, um, that would be consistent still with their sort of financial sustainability. Um, not sure you can say that about Chelsea right now. Um, this morning, they're linked with not just Werner, but also uh, Havertz, who would cost considerably more than Werner, I suspect, um, in normal in a normal world. Whether his transfer value has also um, been affected remains to be seen, but, uh, and indeed whether the, the rumour is substantiated. But um, And they've also got Zayek um, joining them this summer as well. Um, presumably at a reasonable salary. Um, so it looks as though Chelsea are throwing considerable amounts of money at the situation right now, which is money that they certainly aren't going to be generating um, and haven't been for a, you know, a few months. Um, they made a considerable loss a year or so ago, the last set of figures, if I recall. So, um, if Liverpool are acting um, sustainably, it looks as though Chelsea have no intention of doing so. However, um, they have an owner with um, limitless pockets, it seems to me. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, maybe they feel that they've you know, had their transfer ban and now um, they're, they're going to make up for lost time. Um, but if they end up with, with, you know, Werner and... Zayek they've already got sort of signed a year ago um, and possibly Havertz and there's one or two others that have been linked with them as well um, in fact Sancho was for a while um, they do appear to be um, you know well he is prepared to sort of dip into his pocket and um, you know whether that's sustainable for the club and whether you know financial fair play comes into play um, over this um, remains to be seen I think um, they obviously sold Hazard, which has added considerably to the, um, you know, to the incoming side of the equation. So uh, that that might help them pass the FFP. Um, They're selling. Uh, um, they will be selling Morata as well for supposedly yes. about fifty million. So that will go in the kitty as well. Sure, sure. Um, and they 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 have you know produced a fair spattering of young players who've sort of come through in the last year or so. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's you know it's it's always hard to say at this stage in a, in a transfer window. Um, you know, you can really only conclude once once the thing's over, what what exactly um, how responsibly each club has behaved. Um, but as it stands at the moment, it looks as though Chelsea are going to be possibly um, United may well be joining them in that respect. I think, but um, you know those two clubs, the old two favourites. Uh, uh, from years gone by for uh, spending the cash appear to be reverting to type this this summer. It's interesting there uh, you say that because there was a quote in that same Athletic article saying um, United, however, have made made it clear they will only meet they would only be willing to meet the release clause of Werner if they found a buyer for Pogba. So maybe mm. maybe uh, United are, are not going to be quite as lavish as... And it's interesting the two clubs so mm. far to have spent transfer money is Chelsea and PSG, which is... 
yeah. Amicade, which is, shows you the sources of their income. Bees, um, the return of the FSG Outboys. It's been a while. <laughs> it's never too long, though, is it? You, know, you, could, uh, <laughs> you could do without it. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact, not so much necessarily that he, that Werner is not signing, but that he is signing for Chelsea. Um is always going to annoy people. If he'd have just gone from um, Leipzig to Bayern Munich, you know, people would still be disappointed, but I don't think they'd be quite as annoyed um, mm. because so many people put so much stock in who their team signs and also um, who their rivals are signing. Um, and then sort of leaving aside that banter element of it. I mean, obviously, you know, it's fair to say that Liverpool are ahead of Chelsea at the moment, but if they get Werner and he does all right, if they get Havertz, and he does all right, then then there's a very good chance they'll be able to close the gap. So, I can, I, you know, I can understand some uh, minor disgruntlement at it. But, I mean, you know, champions of Europe, champions of the world, champions of England in sort of two weeks' time or whatever, all being well, you know, there's really not very much to be, uh, to be getting, uh, to be grumbling about, I don't think. Indeed. Um, Paul, one of your... Go on. I just wanted to add, um, I've made it in in previous podcasts, but just worth repeating again is is the fact that that 54 million release clause as of January looked a bargain. But obviously, if a ton of money is going out of the game, then the average price of transfers will fall. So, you know, what was 100 million pounds? So what's 50 million pounds in, in January? After this kind of apocalyptic financial, you know, meltdown, um, fifty million is now equivalent to like, you know, a hundred million. That's kind of the way it works um, with inflation and deflation. And so, you know, even even at fifty million, we might not be interested because we've got to sort the wage bill out. But the fact is that you know, the and we haven't seen enough transfers yet to know if this will happen. But it's happened when. TV deals have faltered in the past, and then the the, the price of players drops. Um, so, so that you have that kind of entire context of, you know, would Werner then be the equivalent of a hundred million pound player? In which case, you know, even if we could still then afford that, it's less of a less of a bargain all of a sudden. So, absolutely. And in, in terms of bargains, and one of your favourite players, um, Paul. Junior Wijnaldum's contract talks. I think it was Monday night, was it? Is there was some there was some talk about him not signing a new deal, and then on Tuesday yesterday there was an article in the Guardian saying it looks like he might be signing a new one for a contract to 2024. Um, again, it's going to be a challenge, isn't it? I think. Um, I mean, as I say, I, I, I think it was like three years ago I started calling him the most underrated player in Europe. Um, and I just think he's just a he's just a brilliant, brilliant player. I, I don't think there are many players like him in that he sort of started off as a winger, so he can dribble. Um, but he's someone that's played as a forward. He's played in midfield, attacking midfield, holding midfield. He's played in the back th- back three for us in different central defence. I just think he's one of the most versatile, intelligent players. He occasionally has these games where you don't see much of him, but. Dirk Kout said that that you know when we signed him that that Genie has has the lungs of a horse and his his stamina, his touches. One of my favourite moments in forty years of watching Liverpool was the the turn against Bar. He had already scored twice against Barcelona to to turn that tie around, and I think we were four 0 up. Three players were were pressing Genie, and and um, he was he was heading back towards his own goal, and then he just did this incredible turn, and. Suddenly, he sent three players the wrong way, and we're we're on the break. Just, I just, you know, he could score more goals, perhaps, but he has this strange sort of. You feel like he's reined in. So, like in that game, he was he he, he was sent on at half time to play to get into the box, and when he has license to get into the box, he will score goals. But his job seems to be to sort of keep the midfield, keep the midfield shape, keep things ticking over. I just think he's an incredibly intelligent. Sort of well-rounded player, but but obviously I think he turned is he is he 29 now or he turned 29 this year? 30 in November. 30 in November. So you know we were talking about this on the site about 
the, the squad is still, as I said earlier, a really good average age. But in a year's time, it will be every, if everyone gets the same squad gets a year older. Suddenly, you're on you're past the, the kind of the peak. You have the issue of, of in, within two years, you'll have Genie, Henderson, um, Van Dyke, Matip, Firmino, Salah, Mane, all in their thirties. Albeit at the start of their thirties, you know they will be around sort of 30, 31 at the oldest, I think. You've got a few of the 30-year-olds going. Lallana's just signed a short-term ex- extension. Klopp has spoken very highly of him again about what a great character he is. And so that's good. Um, but he'll go, you know, when this season finally ends. So we kind of do have this issue of, of core. I mean, you know, I don't even think about Alisson's age because goalkeepers sort of you have a different kind of peak. Um, so there will need to be some evolution. And, and perhaps this summer would have been a time for maybe the start of that evolution. Um, but obviously, you know, we didn't, we only signed young players last summer. This summer, I got the the idea, you know, the, the impression that it was going to be someone like Werner, but obviously that's had, had to change. So then you got to the situation of uh, negotiating new wages. Now, it sounds like the club is still trying to negotiate wage deductions or deferrals. So how, how you know, what's the, What's the financial situation for offering somebody new money? What's the, you know, again, the wage... Presumably wage, higher, presumably higher wages as well. You wouldn't imagine Ginny was going to sign a contract for less money, would you? Well, we, and that's it. And what do you offer him? What can we afford to offer him? Is it an insult to offer him less? Because we're thinking, well, for a year or two, we might get less money. Obviously, very intelligent people at the club are used to dealing with this kind of thing. And, and they will kind of, you know... That, you know, it may be that they work extra bonuses in the Liverpool's contracts are very kind of success sort of bonus oriented anyway, and which has kind of been why the wage bill is actually generally not super, super high. But because we keep winning things, you have to keep paying players a lot more money. Um, obviously, winning things then generates that money. But winning, winning the title this year isn't going to generate as much money as we thought it would because we've got to pay back. You know, it, the payments have been repayments have been deferred, but we've got to pay back 30 to 40 million pounds at least of the TV money. And that obviously we were getting extra this year compared to other teams because we're likely to win the league. So it's just all very, very complicated. But I would, you know, again, if some if someone genie turns around and says, Look, I want to go somewhere else, I want a new challenge, as long as it's not a, 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 an English rival, I'd, you know. Fair enough. I've got no play- problem with players who want to sort of try, you know, Barcelona or wherever if, if their contract is is running down. But I would love to see some kind of deal sorted. Um, I think, as I say, his fitness is incredible. I think he could be someone like Milner that can go on longer. I think you know you 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 have perhaps more dynamic players. Someone like Salah is Salah going to be as dynamic in his early thirties? We don't know, but. But someone like Van Alden should stay at the same sort of level, given the kind of incredible way he looks after himself. So, but again, it's you know it's just the first of many, many complicated situations. And and again, I would imagine that the club is prioritising pacifying players like Van Alden rather than bringing in Werner, because that's the other issue. And the Klopp is obviously very wary of is if 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 any of the players. Are badly treated now by the club, that instantly undoes the squad harmony. Do you know what I mean? So I, th- I feel like the club wants to cut the wage bill, but they're not forcing or they're not, you know what I mean? They're trying to sort of negotiate it. And Klopp is this brilliant sort of intermediary who can, you know, who, who understands the club side of it, but also understands the player side of it. And it isn't someone who's going to, he's not some Mourinho type that's just going to sort of, you know, upset everybody. So, it feels like keeping squad harmony is the most important thing for Klopp. And to do that, we have to treat the players well. So you take someone like Lovren, who people have been saying, well, we just, just ditch Lovren. But if we just ditch Lovren, who's maybe, I think, got a year left, then he's incredibly good friends with Mo Salah. And while we shouldn't be keeping players just to, you know, we shouldn't keep a player because he's friends with someone else, that's all part of the squad dynamic. And that's all, they're all the kinds of things that a lot of fans don't appreciate, you know, that kind of complexity of the ecosystem of how everyone interacts. And Lovren is a popular 
player. So, again, so anyone who we treat badly right now has the risk of undoing the, the, the incredible unity that Klopp had built up. So, um, and again, I think Genie is the fourth. I think the players voted, didn't they? Because they had um, Henderson and Milner as captain and vice captain. Klopp, again, you know, ahead of his time, put it to the to the rest of the players to say, you know, who should be the the reserve captains. And I think Van Dijk came in with, you know, to, to rank third, and Ronaldo is fourth. So he's kind of like a backup captain. So he's a, he's clearly an impressive, um, an important player. Um, and as I say, I hope we keep him, but we've got to see what he wants to do as well. Chris, it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? Because uh, I guess it's a tough one for for Ginny as well, because is 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 possibly got the worst time ever to extend a contract. This couldn't be a worse <laughs> negotiating position for him, could it? And and also for the no. club. How do how do you get around these difficulties? Well, you know, um, contracts come up. I guess every summer, you know, um, it just happens to be his this one. Um, having said that, the press are reporting that uh, Liverpool have had a breakthrough with it and they now expect him to sign and stay. Um, so, you know, may, maybe that's it's just, uh, you know, there'll be no story there in the end. Um, interesting what Paul just said about, you know, the, the pay cut situation. Um, Everton of today announced that their players and indeed their manager have agreed um, up to, it says, up to 50% wage deferral for at least three months. And I just wonder whether that sort of just adds a touch of pressure within the city. Um, mm. It certainly will on on the Liverpool supporters in the city. You know, the Everton fans will be mentioning that, and you know, particularly with the, the derby game coming up, and um, you know, they'll be mentioning that our, our team's done the decent thing, and you know, why doesn't yours? And you know, the people's club. Exactly. Yeah. Ah. You know. You, you know what angle they'll come up from, um, but. That that can actually, you know, end up exerting a sort of a subtle pressure on Liverpool, you know, through their own supporters, if you like, you know, if they're feeling, well, you know, we should do the same, you know, we'll do the honourable thing. I think the Everton spokesperson, the chairman, of ever said, said it was the honourable and decent thing to do. And um, this is, can I just interrupt? And say that this is kind mm. of the, the, the honourable and decent thing to do was kind of the. The reason they didn't take a pay cut, the players, wasn't it? Because the honourable and decent thing to do was to support the NHS and to not, you know, to not leave the Treasury with a massive, you know, cut in income. To, to you know, so it was kind of, and the furlough thing was the kind of the, you know, the decent thing to do. So it's all very moralistic, isn't it? And yet it's all yeah. complicated and interdependent. And um, so yeah, but um, so I thought, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it does. It's just, yeah. It, I mean, you know, in terms of Wijnaldum, I, 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 I'd have been very surprised if, if there had been, you know, any issue here, you know, with him wanting to leave. I, I don't think anyone feels that he's not wanting to stay. Um, and I think it would have had to have been a, a fairly derisory offer for him to consider moving, either not long enough or not, you know, decent enough. I mean, we don't know. We don't know whether it's new contracts, you know, does represent a significant pay rise. It, it, it probably doesn't in the circumstances. Um, but I guess at the age of, you know, close to 30, another three years at a club you're happy with and is doing extremely well and, where you, you know, you'll, you can see the likelihood of more trophies arriving. Um, another three years would seem to me to be, um, you know, as good as he could really hope for. Um now, notwithstanding what the actual amount of money is, I'd say I'd, normally you'd you'd just assume it would be a pay rise, but at the moment I'm I'm not you know I'm not so sure about that. Um, it may be, if there is, it's probably marginal. Um, you know whether it's deferred for three months or not. Um, they could so, they could yeah. perhaps it to um, you know I, I'm just thinking aloud here that they I wonder if they could link it to income and turnover and say to Jeannie, look, if if things return to normal, then you'll get a bigger chunk in the future. Do you know what I mean? Because other uh, clubs, yeah. apart from Chelsea, Man City, PSG, and for however long FFP is relaxed, um, other clubs are going to be in the same boat. So you can't, um, you know, you, you can't 
look to go to, you know, if he looks to go to Barcelona, say, if Barcelona want him, yeah. then they, they've just had to take pay cuts and deferrals already. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so it's a, comp you know, it, it's not like the market is fully open at the moment. The, no. my, my worry is that the market is open for Man City, Chelsea and PSG. Do you know what I mean? That, that's yeah. how it feels because they are the only clubs and, and any others that are backed by, um, you know, massive external wealth. So Newcastle, yeah. Newcastle as well, if that takeover goes through. <laughs> I think that's yeah. been um, put on hold, hasn't it? Or wasn't there, the because the the, the the are they Qataris? Um, is it QA? I can't remember who that, but but they're they're Saudi. Saudi, that was it. Mm. they're the ones that they've been connecting now to the pirating of the Premier League. So I don't think that um, um, yeah. it's going to get agreed. But just just to jump um, a quick, I'm going to have to go in uh, about 20 minutes. So just to let you know. Yeah, that's fine. Um, we'll, we'll move it on then, Bees. And it was confirmed this morning that the derby will be played at Goodison and all Liverpool's games will now be played at Anfield, the home games. Um, that's good news, isn't it? Yeah, it has to be. I couldn't believe it yesterday when I saw there was a chance that Liverpool against Everton might be played in Southampton. I mean, that just seems seemed ridiculous. I mean, there, there was sort of a logic behind it in that they could fly there rather than driving. But when when you think of... Um, I couldn't help but think about Dominic Cummings going to Durham, which is uh, yeah. 260 miles from London, and then Liverpool to Southampton's about 230 miles. It's sort of... It, it just beggared belief that that was even thought of as a, as a sensible idea. So um, it, it's good to see that, um, you know, logic has uh, has prevailed there. I think it's it's sort of annoying that it's sort of, uh, you know, you can't trust, it sort of implies you couldn't trust Liverpool fans in the city of Liverpool to, to not turn up. But it's like, well, there's going to be some Liverpool fans in and around Southampton because there's Liverpool fans everywhere. I mean, are they not all going to turn up? Obviously, it's not the same numbers as are going to be living in Liverpool, but... Is it? Can you trust you know Liverpool fans who live in the south more than Liverpool fans who live in Liverpool or whatever? It's just, it was just crazy, really. I, I'm, I'm so yeah. I'm glad it's going ahead. I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, um, we've seen from the Bundesliga that, that so far there haven't been many home wins, but um, it's, it's been, uh, it's not been a great sort of hunting ground for. Jurgen Klopp, obviously, he's not lost at Goodison, which is which is good, but he's had a one nil, a nil nil, and a nil nil. So you know, there's um, not sort of much. Uh, there's not been much goal mouth action, I don't think, in those three games. And the one goal there was came in injury time, so he, he could have been going down the back of three nil nils. So um, yeah, it's it's hard to know what to expect from the game, obviously. But uh, no, it's the right decision that it that it takes place. I think all the games should take place at the. Uh, the stadiums as intended, really. I don't think there's any reason, there shouldn't be any reason why they couldn't be. I blame uh, Sam, Sam Allardyce for one of those nil-nils. I'm sure it was him who just didn't attack and we had like 20 odd shots. Um, that, that, was, that was, wasn't that Anfield? When was he that came, Anfield? They just, <laughs> spent, they just put all 11 men in the box and just booted the ball into touch for 90 minutes. It was just... <laughs> well, one, one of them was after a Champions League game or before a Champions League game. I think it was Allardyce and we put out a pretty weak team and they still didn't have a go. Uh, and they just sort of petered out into a nil-nil. Um, like earlier this season when we put our, reser our reserves, it, well, twice against them, didn't we? But, yeah, in the league. Um, just thinking, that, I mean, obviously, I, I hate the away game at Goodison because that obviously just seems the most fevered sort of atmosphere because of the closeness to the pitch as well and the, the old stadium. So it, it has to give us a bit more of an advantage um, that there is no crowd. Obviously, you know, there is no home, home crowd advantage. There's the home pitch advantage and the home environment and the kind of like you, you know I, I know that at Liverpool a lot of the you know the training pitches at, at, Mel, at Melwood were constructed to be exactly the same size as Anfield with the same kind of you know the, the, just trying to make everything identical so you know it's still an away game the, the thing that I found interesting is just how you know everyone's got to be a bit rusty now and I was talking about Minamino and, and how he's he was rusty when he arrived and straight into like a full paced Premier League. And he was kind of like understandably off the pace a bit, but now everybody's going to be rusty. And then how will that affect the quality of football? Does that, you know, it, will that be a leveler for Everton or will it be, you know, advantage for us, the extra amount of subs, you know, that are allowed. So is it nine on the bench and five can be used? Yeah. Does that mean that team, the you know, 
that suggests that the bigger squads will benefit even more. And so that will really suit someone like Man City. Um, but obviously, we're only playing against Man City once. So, you know, that should benefit us as well because we've got a stronger squad than most teams. So that might even f- sort of further accentuate, you know, our advantage. The main thing is just to get the, the two wins or, you know, hopefully Man City, you know, drop some points as well. And then the whole thing can be done um, because my my issue with returning, I'm kind of a bit anxious about it, just because it feels like it feels to me like the after the five two win against Roma, and also a bit like after the three nil win at Man City in the previous round a couple of years ago, it just feels like when you feel like you've 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 achieved it, you've done it, and then there's this break, and then when it starts again, you realise you haven't fully done it. Do you know what I mean? And it would be incredible for Liverpool to lose it from this position, but it still feels like almost now there's nothing to win because everybody said we've won it. Do you know what I mean? So it's only to lose. Now, it was to say, it would still be a shock for us to lose it. But my my anxiety is that the first few games, if we've got Everton, we've got Palace, who, you know, Roy Hodgson could be a bugger to play against because his teams are so dull. You know, we've got Man City fairly early on as well, I think. Those I don't think the the games are coming back are the ones that I would automatically think you know it's not like playing Bournemouth at home or you know there there are loads of teams that I'd feel far more comfortable trying to get those early points and if we don't get those early points suddenly everybody will be saying oh hang on a minute you know it only took one league loss after I mean had what did we won twenty six when we lost against Watford something like that yeah. we. we one draw, I think, haven't we? One, one twenty-six, one twenty-five, and drawn one. And then we lost at Watford, and suddenly all the wheels are coming off. And then, the, you know, the reserves lose lose away at Chelsea. Oh, it's all falling apart. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's my, uh, you know, I, I don't. I, th- of, I think we're safe, Paul. I really do think we're safe. I, I do, but I don't like I don't like taking it. I don't like taking it for granted. And I, I, you know, when I was, you know, in Istanbul at half time at three nil. All I was thinking, and I wasn't one of the idiots that left, but, you know, and I was stayed and I, 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 you know, sang You'll Never Walk Alone. But all, all I was thinking was, I hope we don't lose 6-0, you know, I hope we don't lose 7-0 because it felt it felt like that was going to happen. So, you know, strange things can happen. And while 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 I think, you know, it, it, do you know what I mean? It's just, I, I, you, it's been such a, such a long break. If if we come back and the and the and the rhythm isn't there, I've said before. I think actually, the the break came at a time when I think like things like the World Club Championships, then straight into a into a tough Christmas Premier League fixture list, then straight into. I think everything was catching up with us a bit. So I think the break is was good in that sense. But I just think I don't know what to expect after three months. You know, they're not even going to have had pre-season friendlies. There might be a, a you know one or two behind closed doors kind of kickabouts or something but it's you know what I mean it's just it just feels like um you know I don't I don't know so I think yeah I still think we're going to win the league don't don't get me wrong but I just think that you know if you if we don't win the first couple of games then some edginess will start setting in do you know what I mean I think I mean City City haven't had any friendlies either don't forget um no, no. So I think it could be, you know, any, anyone could have this problem. As I was saying, you know, we were, while we were starting to look fatigued, we were, we were still in a really good kind of rhythm. In, you know, we perhaps were playing too many games, but we, you know, we had that kind of really good rhythm to our, to the regularity of the games and things like that. And now it's just, you know, we've started seasons under clock quite slowly before, you know, not played the best football in the first games because it takes a while to build up that sort of intensity. So mm. I'm not, again, I, I, you know, I, I could quite easily see Man City, you know, failing to win two or three of their games. So, yeah. you know, I, it, and again, it's not, it's just, it's just the early games, you know, obviously if we, if we go and beat Everton, then that's great. And then suddenly that's going to feel even do you know what I mean? That's going to feel like just absolutely brilliant. But that's not the kind of, you know, in a way, these aren't the kind of fixtures that you want to be resuming on, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. I, feel worse than, if you know, in any other situation. I think, um, 
I think playing Everton in a behind closed doors game is is kind of beneficial to us, and you 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 won't have the baying mob of the Everton fans <laughs> not 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 wanting to <laughs> Liverpool to win the the Premier League on their on their turf. Now it's kind of. I think I think one of the key things from Germany that we're seeing is it seems like the quality of the teams seems to be the overriding factor in the games rather than any other ex- you know external ones like fans. So it like like Bees was saying, the home wins are completely down. So um, Bees the, mentioned that is that a lower? So that's they've looked so, checked. Someone's checked, and historically they are actually. So for, home wins. I think it was four. I was seeing something like forty-five percent away wins, twenty-five percent draws, twenty-three percent home wins, and that, that. And it's only a forty-seven game sample, but it's still a yeah. complete flipping of the normal expectations, isn't it, bees? Yeah, I mean, just to add at this point, um, based on the data from five thirty-eight, there's been uh, twenty-two away wins so far. We, and as you've rightly said, it is a higher percentage than, than you'd normally expect to see. But um, based on the uh, 538 model, in 13 of those, the away team was favoured to win anyway. So that in itself go. isn't that weird that they've won that game. You know, um, Just to give you a couple of examples, like um, Bayer Leverkusen won a game, they were 62% chance of winning. Leipzig won at Mainz, 63% chance of winning. So, yes, they're away from home, but they're expected to win anyway. Um, There hasn't been that many where a really big home favourite hasn't won. Uh, There's one, Leverkusen were 65% for a home game, which they lost. But some of the ones where where teams have lost at home, they're sort of 39% chance of a win, 41% chance of a home win. You know, they're not they're not red hot favourites. They it's the most favoured outcome, but they're not sort of miles ahead of the opposition or the possibility of a draw. So um, more data, it, more data needed. Well, exactly, more data needed. But also, it's like it's it's sort of simplistic to say there's been you know lots and lots of away wins. How many of them are actually that? are that unusual, you know, because the odds favoured the away team, so the away team sort of won. That's what often happens. So um, it's perhaps not as big a thing as as is is being made out, but um, probably need someone smarter than me to look into it all. Chris, just uh, on those fixtures, Everton away, Palace at home on the 24th Wednesday, Man City away, and then Villa, Brighton, Burnley. Yeah, Um my contention is that we don't actually need any more points. <laughs> I don't think we, we need any more. I don't think City are going to get 25 points. Um, they're going to have to win eight and draw one out of the last 10 to get that. And I just can don't I, see that happening. Talking to City, can I just interrupt and ask, does anyone know, I haven't even followed the Champions League, when are City play, when's City playing their Champions League games? Is that going to be completely separate after the season or is that going to be shoved in the middle? It's supposed to be some two-week tournament in Lisbon, I believe, to sort of finish it out but obviously there are some games outstanding from the you know from the last round before you get to the quarterfinals I'm not sure what they're going to do with those but I believe the plan is that quarterfinal onwards would be played over a fortnight in after, Lisbon after the um, Premier League season yeah so they yeah. won't have that kind of um, if they had those games shoved into the already tight Premier League fixture list that might kind of that that would reduce their odds as well, wouldn't it? But they, they've, mm. so they've got that in their favour. But if they have to play Real Madrid before that tournament in the middle of the league campaign, then then presumably that is going to... That could affect the league results, couldn't it? Yes, yeah, oh. indeed. Um, August, August the 8th. August the 8th is the proposed return for Champions League. which is when, does, when does the Premier League end? The end of July, is that? 26th yeah. of July is the, um, the end date. I was going to say, they, they wouldn't be playing the Champions League games in between the league games because the league games are basically every three days anyway. Yeah. So there is no time to play any European games before the end of the season anyway. Have they got an extra league game as well? Yeah. They, want, want they, start, they start back before everyone else, don't they? They're playing next Wednesday against Arsenal. So. OK. And are they? when's the FA Cup? Because they're presumably still in that. I, I they can't. are, yeah. So is that going to be crammed in as well? Yes. Is it? I, d- I didn't know yes. they planned yeah, to carry on doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're away to Newcastle, aren't they, in the quarter final? City. Well, that so might I'll have to fit that in. You know. I wonder when that was going to go. I'm just going to try and find uh, 
The final is set, set to take place on Saturday, the 1st of August. They've rescheduled the quarterfinals for the weekend of the 27th and 28th of June. So that's just before they play Liverpool, actually. They've got, um, so I'm looking at it now, Chelsea away, uh, supposedly on the 25th of June, Newcastle away 28th of June, Liverpool at home 2nd of July. So... Well, let's go there and win and just sort it out. It's interesting <laughs> that actually the great, in terms of injuries, has helped them get, I mean, I think Laporte was struggling again after he'd come back. Uh, Sane is presumably back now. So I, I, th- but I think most clubs have had the, you've been able to use the three months. I, I mean, are there any players that are still, any big players in the Premier League for, for our, on our, amongst our rivals that are, that are out? For, because Harry Kane is back. You know, all the players that had their seasons written off. Are now back, but are there, are there yeah. any that are, are, do you know any that are still um, going to be out until say like December or something like that? Everton have had two new new ones since they came back. Everton have. Yeah, that, that Gabamin was. I think he only played one game. He got a serious injury, and um, he's got another serious injury in training last week. So he's out until next year. And that Yeri Mina that they that centre back. Yeah. He's injured and he's out for several weeks as well. So they were both training injuries. So this both. is this is the other thing in that when I, I wrote last week about how obviously all this just generally light training at home and stuff like that, you know, gives gives people a chance to recover from injuries. But then to suddenly go back into full contact training after a long break and then to be very quickly into matches after that, I think that that's the reason why that the, the, the Premier League have allowed so many extra subs is because they're expecting a lot of soft tissue injuries and things like that. So I'm just curious as to how many will will start racking up before the games actually take place. Because in our case, you know, I talked about Minamino having a chance to sort of acclimatise. He didn't have an injury, but he was he was kind of, you know, trying to get used to English football. But but like players like Shakiri that were just never fit and, you know, Matip and, you know, all these guys that were kind of you know that were either coming back from injuries or still still sort of niggled by them. You know they've had a chance to completely rest up now and pr- presumably get over those. But then it's kind of like when does the next lot? You know, Allison was another one, wasn't he? Because obviously he missed mm. he missed the last game ever, as it appeared to be back in um, in March. Um, you know, much to our cost. So um, yeah, so that's the that's the next interesting thing, I suppose, is. You know, most clubs are starting from like a full squad of players, but then, you know, by the end of this month, you know, how many, how many, you know, our, our squad's going to be already sort of quickly decimated. I think it's, I think there's going to be a higher um, volume of injuries. There certainly has been in Germany, like you say, particularly soft tissue. Uh, I'm not sure on the figures. Do you have to go now, Paul? I past. do. I have to go. Um, Thanks for your time. Um, yeah, that's all right. It's a complete um, honour to be on my own podcast. <laughs> I'm definitely. I'm leaving that in now. Oh, yes, yeah, I, I, I can't believe you asked me. The only problem now is because I, I don't really like podcasting, as I keep explaining, um, and uh, I don't enjoy the sound of my own voice. I don't like the fact that I can't then edit it afterwards to change what I've said because I've said something stupid. Um, obviously, it's harder to now turn down all the other podcast requests I get if I'm doing my own one. Do you well, know what I mean? You've, I, only, you've only got so much voice, just tell them that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I said writing's easier, Paul, because you can have a second go at that, can't you? <laughs> well, it, 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 I hate my books. Once my books are finished, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really into my books. You know, I'm really proud. I'll never release a book that I'm not proud of. Once it's once it's published, it's kind of like shit. Yeah. That's you know, that's it now. Can't say, change it now. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas with an article, if 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 you say something wrong in an article, you know, you can just quickly go in and edit it if someone points yeah. it out. And you know, um, but once it's printed in a book, I say one of my second, I think my second book in 2006, and it came out, and I'd, I'd mixed up Lil with Leon, I think, and uh, you know, very terrible, terrible. Very proofreaders <laughs> hadn't spotted it. The day the book comes out, someone on, uh, I was on Red and White Cop at the time, and someone said, oh, you do know there's a typo on the, you know, you've made a complete mistake on the first page. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's got thousands of copies printed, and it's like, you know, 
can I have them all back and get a biro pen and sort of scribble? So I just hate that kind of, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak anyway, but I just hate that, the idea that, you know, what you say is, is permanent. I mean, you know, obviously you, you can edit, edit down a podcast, but once a podcast published, you know, um, yeah, yeah. you kind of stuck with it. So, um, so there's that reason as well, as well as my health reason and the fact that it, it tires me out because I have to kind of get the adrenaline pumping to sort of start making yeah. sense. And, but I hope, my, I hope my ex-wife isn't um, listening to the, uh, the podcast on the Paris 81. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a solicitor may be interested. <laughs> wait until, yeah, wait until that's published. It's really How funny. How long ago did you get divorced? Oh, it was um, 89, so a while ago, but 81 was when I got married. I got married the Saturday after the game. Yeah. And um Don't spoil we were, it, Chris. No spoilers. Yeah, wasn't supposed to go in basically. I was say, I was supposed to get married instead. If thirty one years later she's still listening out to you on the <laughs> oh, you know, then then you know you you, you clearly did it. <laughs> anyway, cheers guys. I don't know if you want to cheers, carry guys. on, but I'm gonna I've got to Yeah, go. I've got one more point, so yeah, we'll carry on. Cheers, Paul. Cheers. cheers. Go steady. So Chris, um I'm going to ask you first, because I think, obviously, assume Bees knows the answer. What happened the last time Liverpool faced Everton and then Palace? Apparently, it's only ever happened once in that order. Do you know? <laughs> Can we guess? Uh, I, I couldn't think of anything. I was trying to come up with something. Everton and then Palace. Yeah, Everton and then Palace. It doesn't spring to mind, but I'm sure. Is it? Is it obvious? Oh, it's not. It's not obvious. The Everton game is uh, is quite memorable. The Crystal Palace game, I've forgotten entirely. Wouldn't be the but, full four draw, would it? Not? No, but it's it wasn't too long after that actually. Um, okay. Oh, okay. So that was ninety one, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So ah, wouldn't be the oh the Palace game was insignificant, was it? Yeah. So it, wasn't, it wasn't the semi final against that. them. Yeah, that was ninety, wasn't it? Yeah, no. Mm. Bit, bit okay, no, no, I'm, I'm beaten. I, I've been beaten. I've been thinking about it for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame either of you for not remembering this at all. I, I wasn't sure if it had happened loads of times or, or not many times. And I, I did my own research and I could only find one example. And I thought, well, I'd better check this with Graham Riley because, you know, I'm quite good as a stato, but he's on a whole nother level with his records and spreadsheets and everything. And, yeah, he confirmed it's only ever happened once. And uh, it was in 1993, and the Everton game was at Anfield, and Liverpool won one nil with a last-minute Ronnie Rosenthal goal. Oh yes, yeah. which you probably yeah. remember. Yes. Um, and then three days later, uh, which happened to actually be my birthday, and Liverpool don't play on my birthday very often, so that's quite strange. But um, yeah, they played at Selhurst Park, and uh, it was a one-all draw. Apparently, um, okay. where is the thing? I've got it here. Um, Rush gave Liverpool the lead. In the second half, and then um, Chris Armstrong equalised for Palace. And having read the report on LFC history, apparently Sunes, the manager at the time, was so angry with the goal um, that he got uh, sent to the stands by the referee. I don't remember. <laughs> any, I don't remember any of this. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, basically, long story short, yeah, beat Everton, drew with Palace. Um, there have been other examples where they've they've played them in successive league games, but there's been like cup games or Champions League games in between and stuff like that. So yeah. that's the only other time in history that Liverpool have played Everton and then Palace. And um, I guess four points might not be enough to uh, to win the league this time, but it wouldn't be a disaster to get that same set of results. No, it wouldn't. I, I think that will be. I think that will be enough. I, yeah, I, well, I, I meant to chip in earlier when you were saying about that. I, you know, I think if you if you look at the sort of likely points that everyone's going to finish with, I think Liverpool had sort of gone past all of them a couple of games prior to the lockdown. Mm. Um, so it, it could be by the end of it all that it turns out Liverpool won the league months ago. We just didn't realise it at the time. I think yeah, that's a very, yeah. as you say, I think there's a very real chance that that's actually what's going to have happened, but we just don't know it yet. But no, uh, yeah, no. it's not it's not going to be far away anyway. <laughs> I'd like to get that um, gorilla off our back, I have to say. You know, um, they're, they're, what a mate I've been going to the match with for a long, long time, 40-odd years, um, said the other day that he, he wasn't really that bothered you know, in the circumstances. It was too... Uh, I, I, well, you know, we've, we've waited that long for this. We've played 29-127. So, we're, you know, we, all we're waiting for is, is what's deserved, you know. Think of last season where we lost one. We lost two games in two seasons. 
we deserve some bloody recognition for that. Definitely you know. deserve a title. Oh, yeah, yeah so let's have it now. Let's get this thing off our back once and for all and shut up like Blackburn fans who are chipping in over the friendly next... Uh, is it tomorrow? <laughs> uh, the, the friend, whenever the friendly is saying that there's one, t- one team of Premier League winners and one team not playing at, um, you know, Ridiculous. even though it's 25 years ago. Even though yeah. we handed it on a plate to them. Yeah. <laughs> or not so much. <laughs> and I, th- I think we've had more fun in the last 25 years than they have, to be honest as well. <laughs> we've both felt That's the it. wrath of Hodgson. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And, and the joy of Kenny. So, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, you know, I just think I don't understand any Liverpool fan not being bothered about this. I don't care about the circumstances. I just don't care a damn. I just want this thing done. And it's. and the rightful outcome. That's that's all I'm bothered about. Justice, <laughs> justice for the first, for the eight, for the nineteenth. You know, it, it's it, it has to come, and the quicker the better. And I was saying similar last week. Like, obviously, I want to I want to get it done, and Liverpool are the champions. And then after that, I'm not so bothered about what happens in the rest of the games. To be honest, all the no. anything about you know points records I mean we, we may still get it point you know most points ever mm. and all these sorts of things but I'm not really bothered if no. Liverpool, you know if Liverpool win the league um, well they will win the league when Liverpool win the league that's it as far as I'm concerned and anything after that's a nice little bonus yeah absolutely I, I totally agree yeah um, but uh, you know I, I was quite surprised by him so, so, you know we were sort of teenagers when we started going it's not like he's just discovered it or anything and for him to say that he wasn't that bothered Oh, what? What's happened? <laughs> you know, yeah, okay, it's been it's been unusual, you know. But if Gary Neville wants to put an asterisk by it, fine, carry on. <laughs> you know, it reveals more about you than anyone else. <laughs> and um, you know, like I say, you know, we've lost two league games in two seasons at the moment. Indeed, that, that deserves that deserves a reward. <laughs> and we'll get it. I think we will get it. Definitely. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Um. Yeah. Thanks for your time, boys. No problem. No, I enjoyed it. And the next no, time, next stuff. time, next time we do a podcast, we we, we might be, we might be champions indeed. Yes. It's that football thing. We've got, to, we've got to publish a preview next week. Gary, yay! Gary, Gary returns. Gary Fulcher, all the way to Australia. Can you can you hear us, Gary? <laughs> Get ready. Love it. <laughs>